Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Is Thanksgiving happening this week that this airs? Is it the hot Tuesday of hot Thursday? <laughs> hot Thursday is Thanksgiving. It's uh, cranberry Thursday. Gross. Do you prefer the cranberry in a can or the actual berries in the so juice? I, I grew up with the berries and the juice, but my mother-in-law is from Nebraska. The first time I had Thanksgiving with her, she brings out the, the cranberry sauce and it's the can of yep. cranberry sauce. And she's like, just kind of laid it out. So you can still see the rings of the can. Did she it. slice it at least? She did slice okay. it. Okay. And it, yeah, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, no. I mean, she's like a fantastic cook. I mean, Sounds she makes like everything it. from scratch. Except, except for, the, for. Except for this. Like, I don't think I made a comment about it at the time. I think afterwards, like probably years later, I kind of mentioned like, oh, you know. Remember when you put out that crap for Thanksgiving <laughs> and called it cranberry sauce? <laughs> so we still have a hearty laugh about it. Everything When she brings it out, she's like, oh, hey, man, I made your favorite. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, and it's, it's it's perfectly fine. Like, yeah, I usually start with the cranberry sauce. It's a good way to like kickstart Thanksgiving. Like, here we are. Like, you wake up in the morning and you're like, give me some. Yes. Yeah. Is Thanksgiving kind of take a back seat to Mule Day? So everybody's like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving, whatever. It's yeah, not Mule I mean, Days. Mule Days is like usually September. So that's really the official kickoff of the holiday season. Right. <laughs> Speaking of Thanksgiving, yeah. it's like this is our Thanksgiving family meal because we have a guest with us. Yeah, that's right. Keeping with our season three trend of guests named Matt, may I introduce Whitney? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a Matt. Not a Matt. Middle name is Matt. Qualifies. Mm-hmm. We'll call you by your middle name. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What's your middle name, Matt? My middle name is Madison. <laughs> it really is. Shut up. My first name is James. Really? I'm actually James Madison. But with T's what? and not D? No, no, not a D? no. no <laughs> James <it>, Madison. <laughs> no, 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 no. My dad's dad's first name was James. My mom's dad's middle name was Madison. That's what so you are James Madison? I'm James Madison. Why have we never talked about this? I went to James Madison. Your name is James Madison. And, and here's the thing. So my birthday is March 5th. Yeah. James Madison, the president, was March like 22nd. But... Oh my gosh, that coincidence is crazy. But, but if the the ca- 5th and the 26th. No, 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 no. But if the calendar we use yeah. today was in place then or whatever, vice versa, I always get like, we'd have the same birthday. How did you figure that out? Uh, Wait, the Encyclopedia Roctanica. <laughs> I mean, when I was like third grade, I was like, I'm going to look up this James Madison guy. Oh my gosh. Yep. You're James. Why Matt? My mom, this is. I mean, it's fairly dark, but my mom... Oh, um, great. I'm here. <laughs> that's, that's, right, good. that's right. That's right. Winnie's a therapist, so she, that's why we brought her <laughs> in, really. Um, no, my, my mom had a, a brother, his middle name was Madison, but they called him Matt. Mm-hmm. Was, and he, he died really, like, mm-hmm. as a baby, like, oh. as a young child. So she always wanted to use Matt as a nickname. Gotcha. So Matt for Madison. Oh my gosh, we are like seasons into this podcast and you just drop a bomb like that. I'm glad Whitney's here. I'm going to need her counsel. I know, right? I don't know what to do with that. Just call me the Duke. The Duke? Isn't James Madison the Dukes? Yeah, we are the Dukes, but I was like, he's not the Duke. (laughs) I kind of think he was fighting against that. (laughs) That being said, Whitney, thanks for being here today. Yeah. Whitney, do you have any favorite Thanksgiving foods or weird Thanksgiving foods? Favorites? I think sweet potato casserole. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know there's that big debate, marshmallow topping or like a candied topping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably go candied topping, but really either way. So when you say I candied, mean, are you talking Snickers, Twix, <laughs> yes, Skittles? Yes, just crumbled. I mean, it's the leftover Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you top it. Melt it on there. Put yeah. it in the oven. Man, perfect. I'm a candied <laughs> topping. I grew up marshmallow. Mm. 
Uh, that was my nickname. <laughs> and um, That's short for Matt. That, I mean, yeah. Marshmallow and the Duke sounds really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's our new podcast. <laughs> It's going to be morning zoo before it's we'll yeah. over. We'll find some fart noises. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Marshmallow in the dune. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But no, my, my sister-in-law has this brandied candied yams, which is the sort of mm. northern way to say sweet potato casserole. Because <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. And right. she has this caramelized topping. Oh, yeah, and I so plan good. out where I am in line to make sure that I get seconds on that. Aren't, aren't you like mad like when everybody has scooped off the... Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't do that, man. I'm watching. Yeah. Whitney, thank you for being here today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. What album is it that we're covering? We are going to be talking about The Black Crows, Shake Your Moneymaker. Don't you think I want to? Don't you think I would? Don't you think I'll tell you, baby, if I only could? You might acting crazy. You might just too proud. You might just plain lazy. What? I'm the Duke. <laughs> we should have Whitney just chime in. We've established that she's a therapist and she's like, is your name really Matt? That's what you do, right? You question people. When you started struggling with your identity, what feelings did that bring up? One of my favorite faux therapist questions when I'm talking to friends is just like lean in and be like, when did the depression start? <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. Oh, man. Are we going to do the same season three tagline? I didn't know I'd be in season three when the tagline would change. I hated both taglines of season one and season two. Yeah. And I would actually turn off the episode before you got to it because I couldn't stand them. You didn't like humping around. Or dropping the deuce. Didn't like them. Yeah. So I was planning to come in here whenever I got here and be like, keep humping the deuce and just combine them. That's what we're doing. Because they're so yeah. awful. I mean, we, can, we can't say vote. No, yeah. no, it's okay. we can. I mean, but we'll, it's so passe. You can't. Wait, how, how is humping the deuce better? It's not. But I was like, just make it so terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm it was my way that. of gaining some control. Yeah, sure. There you go. When did the control issue start? <laughs> yeah. When will they end? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, so Whitney. <clears throat> yes. You are from Georgia. Uh, that's no? technically not true. Gosh, um, so many bombs so being many dropped bombs. today. <laughs> yeah. It's an expose episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Family moved to Southeast Georgia when I started high school. And then I did high school and undergrad. I went to the University of Georgia, which plays into a love of the Black Crows. That's yeah. what I'm wondering, because what brought the Black Crows to mind when we talked about you being on the podcast? Ooh, that's a good question. As soon as I started listening to the podcast... In earnest, I would say I started like kind of rolling through my mind Mm -hmm. what albums I would want to talk about. I immediately wanted the spotlight. I immediately wanted (laughs) to be on giving my opinions. I think that this was kind of a theme as I thought about this album, too, is I feel like being a Black Crows fan Mm -hmm. is sort of unheard of in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. I know people know them. I know that I'm not the only one. But I also just don't feel like they kind of get that same cred. Mm -hmm. And so... 
I felt like I could kind of add that perspective because like I don't have any friends that like them. Um, I feel yeah. like as I say this, it's not selling it well. Like anyone <laughs> doesn't know them is like, well, why do you? But yeah, I just I've always liked them and never stopped liking mm-hmm. them. I've seen them in concert. I've bought multiple albums, mm-hmm. like kept up with all the different kind of mm-hmm. iterations. The band has changed a lot over the years as far as who's in it. It's stopped and started. Mm-hmm. They've broken up. They've gotten back together. Yeah. It's always the Brothers Robinson. Yeah, I just, I feel like there might not be that many people that want to talk about this album. So I wanted to to be the person because I do, because I love it. Yeah. We're trying to talk about classic albums or things that people consider classic. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. you said it, immediately there was no pushback. It's like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we talk yeah. about that? And then mm-hmm. when I listened to it recently, I started digging back in and thought, oh my gosh, this album holds up. As we'll talk about, I was like, this Mm -hmm. is incredible. It's so good. And I remember being so good. Mm -hmm. So many hits on there. But you're right. It's not a band that people talk about as being their favorite. Mm -hmm. Or people don't reference this album often of classic albums of the 90s. Listeners, we always like to start with memories. And so we're kind of on that trail with this discussion. So, you know, is that your memory of them? Or do you remember when you first heard them? I have a distinct memory of first hearing this album and taking it in as my own. You know, I grew up with an older brother. He heavily influenced my music tastes. Everything that he liked, I would kind of be just a little bit behind. And then there were things that didn't overlap, like mm-hmm. a lot of pop and R&B that I really loved that he didn't listen to. But mm-hmm. anything classic rock, he started playing guitar when he was 15, self-taught, never took lessons. So he just got really into a lot of music, very passionate about it. And he's the one who told me about the Black Crows. I know that I didn't hear this album when it came out because when I go back and look and see that it was released in 1990, I didn't have any awareness of it then. Mm-hmm. I would have been listening to it around 96. Okay. That was actually the summer that my family moved from Florida to Georgia. And we were... Welcome to Georgia. Here's your Black Crow CD. <laughs> it was standard issue yeah. at the state line. And, and the and... Georgia satellites. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sorry. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> I won't, but I'm sorry for that one. <laughs> So I remember our family, like we had sold our house. The school year wasn't over yet. So we were kind of displaced for the last couple months of the school year. So we were staying with a family that we knew from church. They had a bigger house and we could take over like the top two floors of it. So I remember that bedroom in that family's house. You know, I would just lay there with the the portable CD player, disc man, headphones on. And I remember listening to the intro to She Talks to Angels on repeat. Mm-hmm. Like I would listen to just those few bars yeah. and then just start it over. That's my clearest memory of when I started to love this album. That's a great memory, mm-hmm. especially with that particular song. Mm. All right, Matt, what, what is your memory of the Black Crows, Shake Your Moneymaker? Music like the Black Crows was kind of different from everything else I was listening to. So I didn't really like dive into it. As I got into this album this week, I realized I, I don't know the whole album very well. Even this week, I'm listening, I'm thinking, why aren't they bigger? And I have theories. And it was so different, I think, from everything else that was going on at that time. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one. What about you, Matt? What's your, what's your memory? Of the Black Crows, Shake Your Money Maker. We're dropping bombs today, so I'm going to let you know that <laughs> there was a one time in my life I was a psychic. I'll be honest, I did not really commune with the dead. Except this one time, this dead guy comes in, this hot dead guy, and he's like, hey, I was murdered. You got to go tell my wife. I go and find this lady, and I tell her information only Stud Muffin would know. <laughs> When she makes her way to the police, they show her that I'm a con artist. You know, I've been arrested before and that sort of thing. So she just doesn't believe me anymore. And then Hot Ghost tells me that he's been like following his business partner around, finds out that that was who tried to kill him. And he was laundering money. Somehow I get caught up in this wacky adventure where I 
go to the bank and I'm able to somehow close the account because I have the account information to give all the money to charity, you know, because that's what the ghost wanted. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I make my way back to this lady's house and Hotting Ghosty is with me. And, <laughs> and finally, she believes because Ghost was able to figure out how to levitate a penny mm-hmm. into her hand. Obviously, she'd never been to a circus or carnival because if that makes you think that your dead husband is back, <laughs> yeah, that's on you. Well. So then check this out. This super hot guy possesses me. And so then I'm able to like dance with this lady, like a slow dance. And it was really romantic. Like like the dirty dancing kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I lifted her up over my head, you know, and then I tried to put her in the corner and she's like, that's out of the question. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) anyway, then the bad guys come and there's this big chase and everything. And I end up murdering the, the killer and it was fine. Then when the cops came, this one detective walks up and he's like, what the heck happened? Who is that lady? And why are we letting her go after she just murdered this man? You know? And the other cop was like, I heard she talks to angels or something. Mm. And then that detective was all, bruh, have you heard this dank track? She talks to angels. I got that CD and, and went off into the sunset. I had a new shtick where I went around to widows and I convinced them that their husband was possessed in me so that I could <laughs> slow dance with them. Oh, yeah, sure. Man. That totally makes sense. Which isn't a crime. No, nope. apparently. I don't no, think no. that's on the books anywhere. No. Yeah. Yep. You can all, do that. All I had to do was figure out how to, you know, do a penny trick, levitate it into their hand, and then they're like, yeah, you can slow dance with me. Oh, you know, when you're doing your little conning women into, mm-hmm. you, know, you could get like your twin sister. It could be like a whole sister act. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. I guess we should probably get into this album. <laughs> We're going to start with the first track on the album, which is Twice as Hard. things about this opening track. There was a period of time when I was in grad school that I taught intro to public speaking. And so I would talk to the students about catching the attention right away. If I'm in an audience and someone's speaking, the first 30 to 45 seconds kind of tell me I'm in good hands with the Mm -hmm. speaker. They're competent. That's kind of how I think about this opening track. You do get a slow tempo. And to me, knowing that they had been a band in some formation Mm -hmm. for close to six years or so when this was released they'd been 
gigging, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's so much of this album that to me is very much a, we're a gigging band, we're touring around, we're playing the dives, we're putting in our dues, as they always mm-hmm. say, and now we're transitioning to studio. And so I feel like they approach this album very much as a show. Mm-hmm. We're going to entertain whoever's listening. And so they start out a way that I think would do that. You kind of hook people in. You're not aggressive. It starts a little slow tempo. It picks up. It drops into the groove of it. And I feel like you kind of think, like I was saying with public speakers, you feel like we're in good hands. They know what they're doing. I may like it. I may love it. But we're in good hands. And they're competent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real resounding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of review. They're competent. What do you like about the Black Crows? They're the all-state <laughs> insurance <laughs> of rock bands. They're, they're sufficient <laughs> musicians. But I actually looked up uh, the Duke, who you were mentioning, that... Uh, <laughs> Because when you say Matt, nobody I've always wanted a nickname beyond Matt. So <laughs> yeah, finally, it only took you, half a century. You were mentioning what else was was on the charts at the time, and yeah. I looked that up in preparation because I wanted to know too. I was like, yeah. what else was going on in 1990? Because again, I didn't listen to this album until years later. Mm-hmm. You've got Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Madonna, Like a Prayer. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Allison Chains, Man in the Box. That was out already. Wow. Wow. Millie Vanilli. Yes. Hall of Famers. It was such an odd time. Oh, man. Where My voice was changing. Oh, oh, you're talking about music. <laughs> yeah, music. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to go from something like Millie Vanilli yeah. to Madonna's Like a Prayer to Alice in Chains to Black Crows, it's a great opening track. It draws you in, but it also gives you an idea of what we're in for. I mean, Completely. the album continues along this vein with uh, the next track, which is Jealous Again. influences and I that's one of my theories about kind of why the Black Crows aren't as popular still as Mm -hmm. this 1990 debut and it's that they got all that flack about being derivative ripoffs taking Mm -hmm. too much and just reproducing that and not being their own and you know I think about the kind of the combination of sound that I hear and I'm from Jacksonville I'm well versed in Leonard Skinner mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but then I also have listened they, to they teach Skinner in school they right? do yeah. yeah yeah they do Leonard Skinner actually played my dad's homecoming dance nice. what that's pretty tight that's, that's awesome true yeah. story yeah, yeah. So there's Leonard Skinner, and then, but the Black Crows don't really go as like a swampy yeah. of a sound. Right. So I feel like the more I'll say the more accessible sound of the Doors in the in the Doors catalog, it's kind of like you get a little bit of a combo. And I know that probably sounds a little strange because a lot of times I think you hear, oh, the Black Crows, they sound just like the Faces, they sound just like the Stones. They're trying to be mm-hmm. these other things. But I think they actually give a different kind of blend. Mm-hmm. They grow from here. Like mm-hmm. this is a debut album, and to your point. Again, Matt, the Duke, this yes. <laughs> this album 
holds up. And in fact, these opening two tracks are four a total of four songs that end up on what is essentially, well, it is their greatest hits release yeah. towards like the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Four tracks off this album end up on that greatest hits. And these first two are, are on there, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And this is their sound. Mm-hmm. You're going to get some versions of this. And if anything, I would say, you know, something that this album suffers from a bit is sounding maybe too similar track to track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I like that they play with some tempo mm-hmm. and they seem, again, very competent mm-hmm. <laughs> that resounding yeah. advocacy for it. But I keep thinking of the word accessible. Like it's just it's just good to listen to. It's just easy to listen to. It's this song is easy to sing along to. It's poppy. It's got hooks. Hooks for hooks days. For days. Hooks for days. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe one thing it suffers from and it's not their fault, but it kind of has that sound of like, oh, I'm going to go into any sort of dive bar on a Saturday night, and I'm going to hear a band like this. To me, that's the difference. I mean, Chris Robinson's voice, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know who he sounds like. He just sounds like Southern Rock. Such a unique voice in rock. Their sound seemed to be influenced heavily by the producer, George Draculius, which is a pretty cool name. Oh, the Greek freak. Thanks, the Duke. <laughs> It's really catching on. Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah, it is, Marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you see Black Crows and you see their look and you hear their sound, it just fits. fits. Perfect. But they didn't start out that way. They were early on kind of even REM influenced. When I hear that and think Chris Robinson singing alternative music or college rock, that just makes zero sense. And their name was Mr. Crow's Garden after a kid's book. That's a Mm -hmm. indie band. back then so i'm curious to hear i don't want to hear it but i'm curious to hear what that would sound like but then this this producer saw them and saw the potential all the organ and the keys on this album they didn't have a keys player and so it was that guy basically shaping their sound Mm -hmm. now they're not the monkeys or millie vanilli or something like that you know where it's like a package they were sincere they were very competent and uh (laughs) they could read music yeah it's like a three-star review they're very competent (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) So from there, they took it and ran with it. But it seems like it took somebody to come in and say, hey, have you considered this lane? I think you're right. But I also think that there is, at least according to Chris Robinson at the time, kind of recounting how things led up to working with George Draculius, that he saw a live show and there were some covers that they did later in the show Mm -hmm. that were more in this vein that he saw them come alive in a different way on stage. Uh. And that they talked about it as, well, if we play only that stuff, people won't show up. So they felt like they didn't have the audience to do what they really liked. And then, yeah, I think he then understood, oh, this is what they want. And they maybe don't have enough of exposure to it. Mm -hmm. So then feeding it to them to then kind of grow the garden. I don't know. (laughs) So kind of a both and there. I think it was sort of the right meeting of the minds for him to see them, understand what they were about and what they liked, and then help them step into something that they could become. Which I don't want to at all sound like they were fake because the writing is Chris and Rich Mm -hmm. and the songs are incredible. I mean, this song is a hit. It's poppy. It's Southern rock. It's amazing. It's not that that guy was writing the songs. He just saw, like you said, the potential. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Third track on the album is Sister Luck. Broadway. 
there's a lyric in this song, probably the most interesting lyric you get on the album so far, in my mm-hmm. opinion, where there's a part in the verse in Sister Luck where he says, feeling second fiddle to a dead man. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got something to say here. <laughs> this is some tortured soul. <laughs> yeah. Like, someone's dead and I'm, you know, living in their shadow or like something's yeah, going on. Yeah, I wonder who the dead guy is. Like, is it know. Patrick Swayze? Yeah, is this about Probably. the movie Ghost? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think Ghost came out maybe this year. They were trying to get it on the soundtrack. <laughs> Swayze blocked it. <laughs> oh my gosh. They got Swayze blocked. Can you imagine this song playing while they were doing the pottery thing? Oh, man. Yeah. I just think our world would have changed. Yeah, this is when you get into their great songwriting. I love when someone takes a timeless emotion and makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Sister Luck is screaming out somebody else's name. Whereas every blues song is just like, I was born unlucky. I'm down on my luck. Mm-hmm. But the way that he phrases it, it gives me respect for his songwriting. And similar to the blues, there's there's a lot lyrically that runs through this album and other work by the Black Crows. W- women in the Black Crows catalog kind of have this place of being a bit mysterious, confusing. You know, they're going to kick you when you're down mm-hmm. or they're kind of mystical. She talks to angels, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get there. But Starts here with Sister Luck, I feel like, with the songwriting. Yeah. The theme is strong. We talk about kind of brothers, siblings. A lot of times you'll have a bass drum combination or Van Halen. It's like, okay, really gifted, trained musicians. But Mm -hmm. to have, this isn't just, they're both musical. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got one extremely extroverted personality who can put himself out there in a frontman way, which is not easy to do, to be a memorable frontman. And then you've got this virtuoso guitarist mm-hmm. and they can write songs it comes together in such a perfect way yeah i immediately started thinking about like are there similarities to oasis that dynamic and just as soon as i start thinking okay what are, what are some other like brother you know combinations that are similar th- that similarity ends like immediately because of what you just said I mean, I mean i'm sure there's been infighting and there's been iterations and things like that but you don't get that sense of acrimony that you get with like Oasis at And all. they did come from a musical family. Mm-hmm. True story. Because their dad in 1959 <laughs> had this hit. I mean, immediately you see the, the influence oh, of this their is, dad. Oh, this isn't the Black Crows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right, next one is at the time their biggest hit. This is hard to handle, but we're going to try anyway. Maybe one of the problems with the Black Crows is that one, this is probably the, the song people think about the most, and it's a cover song. But you know, to be honest, I, I didn't know it was a cover song until five years ago. I will readily admit. I didn't know it was a cover song until I started taking it to this album. Yeah. We got a hat trick, folks. I did not know it was a cover <laughs> song for a long time. And it's actually one of my pet peeves about my own music fandom. Yeah. When I like something that I think is an original and then find out later that it was a cover, you I always duped. like kick myself. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I should have known. Yeah. Even if I mean, they speed this up, too, from the Otis Redding.
seen I can give you what you want But you got to go home with me I forgot some good old love And then I got some in store When I get through throwing it on you You got to come back <laughs> It's much dirtier Dirtier than Otis than Otis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what this is about <laughs> Wow I mean, I knew when Chris Robinson sang Pretty Little Thing, Let Me Light Your Candle, you know, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, he's an acolyte. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. You were an acolyte, right? The marshmallow? No. The marshmallow is not an acolyte. I thought you were, what did you do? Didn't no. you do something? You didn't? I mean, oh, you were mime. I was a mime. <laughs> Which is not the same. <laughs> no, but you were thinking something ridiculous that marshmallow was. <laughs> what is it? That groove on that Otis one is really good. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I don't hear that and go, oh, Black Crow's ruined it. I hear no. that and go, that's good. Wow, the Black Crow's version is incredible. Yeah, That's the thing is like all the critics at the time calling them ripoffs of something. Yeah. And it's like, why can't that be seen as respect and good taste? Mm-hmm. They covered Otis Redding. Well. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a real shame that, you know, they get that framing because like, glad that you appreciate the artistry of their competence um, <laughs> doing what they do. Well, and they, they, they put a spotlight on a, a lesser known Otis Redding song too. You know? Yeah. But again, I don't think people knew. I mean, no. we didn't know nope. yeah, <laughs> until now. So yeah. I think they just got away Which with it. Which could be because we're white. So we need to own that. Yeah. That we didn't know. Fair. Yeah. Just yeah. putting it out there. I will say like hard to handle. It got to me so overplayed at the time. You immediately hear the drums, you know exactly what song it is when the song starts. And I'd probably be okay never hearing this song again. Oh, gosh. Of all the songs. So this is your favorite? Yeah, I love it. Yep. Yep. This was actually the second single. I was wrong. Second. So Jealous oh, okay. Again was the first. Oh, really? This was the second. I would second. not have guessed that. But this one, I believe, went to number one. In your heart. Else. <laughs> yeah, that's what matters. The chart of your heart. Yeah. That sounds like a really terrible song. You know, somebody being like, you've reached the top of the Celine chart Dion. of my heart. Yeah, that's a Celine song. <laughs> with, a, with some yeah. French-Canadian verse thrown in. They get huge with this album, so they get put on tour with ZZ Top. It's sponsored by Miller Beer, Yep. but you know Chris was really anti-corporate rock, so he continually goes on a tirade against corporate rock and they warn him we're going to kick you off the tour and he's just like whatever man i gotta stand up for what i believe in you know they end up kicking him off the tour <laughs> it's so <laughs> can you imagine being in that band you'd be so frustrated then they went on and opened for the monsters of rock which makes no sense right metallica <laughs> acdc black crows Queensryche. like what <laughs> like that yeah i mean i don't feel like that audience would go for black crows no. <laughs> <laughs> so it, but it just speaks to where they stood at the time. Yeah. They were kind of orphaned, right? There wasn't really a good home for them. And even when they did have a home, Chris... <laughs> Chris burned it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you said you have theories about why they're not more popular or whatever. I like to think that the guys from ZZ Top are like the godfathers. The mafia. Like, yeah, they decide who gets remembered and who doesn't. <laughs> they spin their guitar, yep. tug on their beards, <laughs> let it be so. <laughs> Do you remember that story? I don't know if it was true, but it was lore back then that Gillette offered them a million dollars to shave their beards I on TV. That. I remember everybody talking about it. Like, oh, yeah. oh. The 90s were a crazy time. Yeah, man. That and was they great marketing it. by Gillette to just like Put whisper that, out that rumor out there. Yeah. And great that they didn't do it. Yeah. Considering how corporate they were. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'm surprised they didn't do it. Yeah. Sellouts. Sellouts. Yeah. Miller beer and ZZ Top. What kind of combination is that? That would have been a sloppy shave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next is 
probably my favorite opening of any song ever. I would put this up there as one of the most southern rock songs just from the beginning. I mean, they have a freaking skidding car crash, yeah. and then the guitar goes in, and then he says, got a chainsaw buzzing. Who's that cussing? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is something that your grandma would be asking in right. the South. You know, who's that cussing out there on the porch? <laughs> oh, me, Ma. Yeah. Which, the car crash, mm-hmm. as you may or may not know, was the drummer's truck being driven into a dumpster. In the parking lot. They really did it? They really did it. Oh my gosh, That was their approach to to this album. They were so about the authenticity. And that's why they couldn't take that corporate nonsense because they were like, we got to be real. Nah, we're wrecking the truck. We're wrecking the truck. You know, you say Southern Rock and I think definitely the lyrics, like Mm -hmm. you're you're keying in on there. Believe it or not, when I listen to this, I hear that just really straight ahead rock and roll Mm -hmm. backbeat feel Mm -hmm. where it wouldn't be that out of place in a a early Beatles era Chuck Berry kind of sound. But then I also think of just the up-tempo. I don't know why. I don't know if anyone else would feel this way. But I think of a song by Ike and Tina Turner called Nutbush City Limits. So, yeah. Duh. That juke joint feel. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you could just rock out with it. Yeah. I'll admit that the southern part is the car <laughs> crash. And the, cu- who's and that the first two who's lyrics. That yeah. But yeah, musically, I, I, it's just straight ahead rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It harkens back to things like Dukes of Hazard. I grew up on Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. You know, so then when I hear this, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is like Dukes of Hazard, which is a problematic show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they had the car called the General Freaking Lee with the Confederate flag on there. But again, growing up, I loved Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, I played Dukes of Hazzard, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And then years later, you start to find out this isn't just history. Well, yeah. this is history to mm-hmm. white people who are right. writing the history books. But mm-hmm. there was a, a story in our family. My brother loved Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, so I watched a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was my pick. It was always his. But we're sitting at a, a railroad track one day. Trains going by. We're just stopped. He's like, Mama. Why don't you just yeehaw over it? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeehaw, yeehaw over it. it. All you need is a conveniently placed hay bale, which yeah. apparently all over the South, over they the South. just like build ramps In roads. out of hay bales. Yeah, just yeah. right off. So easy, easy peasy. My favorite thing about Dukes of Hazzard, as problematic as it is, was that for contract disputes, the stars of the show oh, yeah. won't 
come on the show, they get scabs. They get replacements. Coy and Vance. Coy and Vance, yeah. Yeah, and they look like them. They're their cousins, Yeah, right? they're their cousins. They just show up one day and they're like, hey, those two guys had to go, but we're the cousins, so we're here to do exactly what they do. <laughs> Don't you have jobs back home? Nah. Nah. We're just going to drive this car around and yep. do good. <laughs> 80s were a crazy time. Yeah. And people were like, all right, I like the show, so let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. But I can't imagine any other show where they would replace the stars of the show and everybody like would be, Urkel oh, was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And they replace him with like Jerkle. <laughs> Jerkle. <laughs> Next is another hit of theirs and one of the most memorable songs, She Talks to Angels. Like I said earlier, in my memory of this album, uh, just on repeat, Mm -hmm. just those first few bars. And I just wanted to hear it again and again. And even today, I have different versions of the song in my iTunes, Mm -hmm. acoustic versions, this album version. I'll put them on back to back. Nice. Just knowing that Rich Robinson wrote the song around 17 blows my mind. Yeah. But I think what sticks out to me being a longtime fan of the Black Crows is where their music goes from here. If anyone wants to get more into them, I think where they go, and there's a, an acoustic album they put out, I think in 2000, and it's called Crowology. Mm-hmm. And there are three tracks on there that I'm kind of like, if I were going to introduce people to Black Crows, I might give them She Talks to Angels, but I could just as easily give them Cold Boy Smile from Crowology, Thorn in My Pride, which is from an earlier album, and Girl from a Pawn Shop. It makes me think of, of being outside under the stars kind of feel like it's, it, but I think they also tapped into something a little more kind of cosmic, mystical, yeah. even in lyricism. That's cool. I'm, I'm actually going to go check that out because 
I want to see the direction. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about some of your theories. What is it about the Black Crows internally or externally that puts them in the place where we don't talk about them as much today? Like you had said earlier, the Duke, that uh, the, the Brothers Gallagher, there's more acrimony there. And I think with the Brothers Robinson, Chris and Rich, I think you get more of an alchemy to throw a $5 word on it. Nice. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. They fight, but it's almost like their fights make them better and sometimes it burns too hot and they have broken up and, you know, had to, to have time apart. But they were always making music and then they always kind of find a way back. It's like they don't do something so unique. Like Guns N' Roses, they come on the scene, people's minds were blown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a throwback. Mm-hmm. This reminded people of things before. And I think it came at the time when the public opinion just didn't want something like that. You move from 1990 into just that heavy grunge era that went mainstream. And I think the Black Crows were never going to sound that way. They didn't have that kind of attitude. Interesting to think how many careers grunge probably killed. Yeah. You've got the 80s and the popular music was very polished, Mm -hmm. synthetic. Everything's really fake. And then there's this window of 1990 where they seem to arrive at the right time with this particular album. But then you think, I can absolutely see this album in the late 2000s becoming huge. From the rise of things like Wilco, mm-hmm. Avett Brothers, that, that more sort of, again, organic, analog, throwback feel. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these poppy bands that could come up at different points and really rise, depending on when they, when they arrive. It's almost like these are the bands that reset rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You need a, like a palate cleansing every 10 years or so. Yeah. They happen to come along at the perfect time for them to hit our conscience and our need for authenticity and more roots rock. But, you know, we tend to always swing back to mass-produced, overproduced Mm -hmm. music, and we consume it, and you have just a narrow window. Yeah, I like that. That's a palate cleanser. Okay, listeners, so one thing we do is challenge one another. If the Black Crows are about to take your car and wreck it into a dumpster Mm -hmm. for the audio on their next track... Unless you take a song off of Shake Your Money Maker, what song would it be? So, Whitney, let's start with you. As I re-listened to the album and was thinking about this question, it was actually pretty easy for me. There was a song that stood out in the flow of the album, because again, I didn't do shuffle, listened to it straight through as intended. As God intended. As God intended. (laughs) For me, it's Could I've Been So Blind. When I check out the song order and I see that could I've been so blind comes right before the song seeing things. <laughs> I'm a little upset. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to break that up. Nice. <laughs> I don't need that. that. That was intentional. It feels like it was. But even taking it out and listening to it, the album without that, I feel like it flows fine. I'm, I don't, I'm not missing anything. And then I don't have to hear that. I could have been so blind. Yeah. Like it just is <laughs> too much for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What about you, the Duke? Oh, thank you, Marshmallow. If I was going to remove a song, because I don't want my truck slammed into a dumpster, yeah. it would probably be seeing things. It's 
somewhat formulaic. It's kind of this southern rock kind of bluesy ballad. Your ballad that you need to have on there. So that would be the one I would take right. off. What about you? I would Mr. take Marshmallow. off. Thank you. Oh, oh wait, Mr. Marshmallow is your father. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would take off Strutton Blues. The Southern rock feel that I love about this album and the Black Crows, this sounds a little bit more alternative rock, almost like it's a precursor to like Gin Blossoms or something like that. It's a little too leaning into pop. It's clean too. Yeah, yeah. Whitney, Hmm. thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. For bringing this album to us and to the listeners because I think it is one that people wouldn't naturally put on a list of classic albums, but it absolutely is. And you've also educated us on the wonder that is the black crows as it continues from here. So I'm going to go check out some more of their stuff. Yep, Same here. I'm really glad. I hope you'll be kind of pleasantly surprised. Cause I think they went somewhere you wouldn't expect from this album. As always, we appreciate everyone listening to Finest Work Songs and engage with us on social media at Finest Work Songs and send us emails, finestworksongs at gmail.com. Since the election's over, our season three tagline is out of date. And so, Whitney. So, in, in keeping with the Black Crows, we'll do a throwback. Okay. Oh, yeah, sure. I like it. And we'll throw it back to seasons one and two. <laughs> you know, I can't believe we're going to say that. <laughs> we'll see you next time. And until then, keep humping the, the deuce. deuce. It felt right. That felt right. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs> <laughs>